Hey listeners, I have a very special treat for today's episode. Last week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with fellow podcaster Lindsay Brisbane to chat about her show, The Chilling. Now, I'm sure a good handful of you have heard of Lindsay and listened to her story firsthand, but in case you haven't, allow me to fill you in. The Chilling is a 13-part serialized podcast documenting the harrowing story of Lindsay's time living in the most haunted house in Kent, Ohio. It's truly one of the most chilling stories, pardon the pun, that I have ever heard. And today's episode of Haunts is all about it. During our conversation, Lindsay gave me a bit of context that didn't make it into her show. She also answered a few of my lingering questions and shared the inside scoop on what she has planned for season two. Suffice to say, you won't want to miss this episode, and you'll definitely want to give this show a binge when you're done here. Don't worry, I will have the show, along with Lindsay's website and socials, linked in today's show notes, so make sure you go and check it out. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lindsay Brisbane of The Chilling Podcast. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. everyone today we have Lindsay brisbane from the chilling podcast here um, joining us on this episode of haunts Lindsay, thank you so much for being here i'm so excited to be here because we have been going talking back and forth for a while now yeah. so i'm just honored and i'm stoked and i'm ready Dude. to get spooky baby yeah i'm honored <laughs> to have you here i mean we were talking about it before the show and it just seems like i just fell down a rabbit hole with your podcast in a way that i have not done for a lot of podcasts in a while and the fact that you're just starting out is like well I guess not just starting out you put a lot of work into it in the background but the fact that it only came out in what October yeah yeah so it hasn't even been all that long so for you guys at home who may not know who Lindsay is she's the host of the chilling podcast it's a fantastic like serialized podcast about her time living in the most haunted house in Kent Ohio uh, Lindsay, before we dive any deeper, do you want to like tell us a little bit about yourself just as a human being before you are a podcaster, as well as where we can find you in a quick elevator pitch about your show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've always been a weirdo, by the way. Same. So yeah, so my whole <laughs> life, always been an oddball and a weirdo. I've had paranormal experiences my entire life. And the way I was raised in my family, um, that stuff was considered really normal. And I didn't realize till I got like probably into like junior high, high school, that most people don't have the amount of experiences that me and my family do. And I learned really quickly to maybe not talk about them so much. Right. People were just like, oh, so you're like completely insane and a weirdo. Um, so I just kind of <laughs> learned to like tone that down publicly because I was just like, wow, like I thought everybody had this much stuff happen in their life. And then I realized, oh, no, they don't. So don't bring it up. It really weirds people out for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, I kind of just, like, live my life that way, you know, having all kinds of weird paranormal experiences and psychic experiences and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, and wow. just, like, kind of just living with that and being like, eh, it's all right. Um, and then, as as you, you your listeners will hear, you know, I moved into 
a house for a year that turned out to be the most haunted house in Kento, Iowa. I have no problem saying, in my opinion, easily probably the most haunted house in America. Um, yeah. For sure. It reminded and- me a lot of, and like, I think you'll kind of get this, um, like whether or not this aspect of the haunting was true. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Sally house. Mm, and yes. yeah, like when I was listening to it, I was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> like, but I mean, it's crazy. And, and it's one of those things that like, I think for me, I realized after I lived in it, that was the first real experience in my house where I went, these things can hurt you. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and as for where you guys can find me, you know, you can uh, find me on Instagram. I make all kinds of funny, spooky content. And I also post, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff from some evidence and things from the podcast as well, which is pretty dope. Um, And that's at um, on Instagram at The Chilling Podcast. Or you can look me up at my website at www.thechillingpodcast.com. But yeah, I love all things spooky and weird despite living in this house. And I hope to connect with some of you. And um, I'm excited to be talking with Courtney today. Heck yeah. And I mean, I'll have everything linked um, in my show notes for this episode. So don't feel like you guys have to like write everything down. It'll be available (laughs) and around. Um, But yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like this this story is probably one of the most harrowing stories that I've heard in a while. I've been researching the paranormal just through my own experiences. I call myself a paranormal researcher because of all of my strange experiences that I've experienced probably nearly a decade now. Um, And I thought those were terrifying in their own right. And then listening back to yours, I was like, oh, I have no idea what I am talking about in that area. So, so, um, I guess let's just kind of dive into things because I really feel like my listeners, if they like this show, like obviously if they like haunts, they're going to just eat yours right up. And I want to give them as much time as possible to like binge it essentially. So (laughs) your story starts with sort of in a series of unfortunate events, let's say, not to give too much away, yes. um, that that pushes you and your roommates into searching for new housing over the course of, like, not a lot of time in a town that isn't really all that renter-friendly. I think that's something a lot of people can identify with, especially mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, can you give me, like, an idea of where you guys were, like, searching, how long that took... Like I said, I know a lot of people felt your pain. I just kind of want to know, like, in that moment, what was the driving force behind your search? Like, what were your criteria for finding this house? Yeah, so, like, you know, I go into it in episode one, but I, and we'll be brief with it, but I was in a really Mm -hmm. horribly abusive relationship. Um, The sort of thing that, like, you see in movies. (laughs) It was pretty bad. It was really bad. Yeah. And we had this brief... And the one roommate we had been living with, there was four of us originally. We were close with her, but she was moving in with her boyfriend. Mm. And we were just screwed because the house we had been living in was amazing. I loved this house. We actually had a bit of a backyard. It was a duplex. It was great. Um, The only unfortunate part with that as well is that my stalker knew where I lived. And so we were like, okay, well, there's only three of us. Um, you know, but if we move from here and we find something else nice, it'll be great. And then also he won't know where you live. So that's a, that's a bonus. And that's one less thing to be scared about. So, but this came on really faster than we thought because that, when this lease was ending at the house we were in and when school was starting, you know, 
the way it kind of lines up, it's like summertime ish. Mm-hmm. But our roommate, who was our fourth roommate, didn't really tell us she wasn't going to live with us like right at the optimal Ooh. time. Yeah. So we instead of having maybe like a couple of months, like three months, I think we had like maybe a month and a month and a half to go. Oh God, we're not staying here now. Yeah. Um. And the landlord we had in that first house, he was dope because he actually was trying to help us find a place because he's like, you guys were such great tenants. Mm -hmm. Like we were such good tenants. I remember we got our entire deposit back. Like I cleaned that house like a mad woman. Like I was always a really good tenant. So, um, but you know, when we were leaving there, um, the roommate that was no longer going to live with us, she recommended trying a realtor's office because she had heard either she or a friend or somebody it had worked out. So, I mean, we tried everything. We called every real, like every apartment place in the city. We read through all the classifieds. We like called every number we could. And the problem is in a college town, every rental is either a studio a two bedroom, four bedroom, mm-hmm. or a big like frat type house. And there was right. three of us. And at our age, we were not gonna share a room. Um, so we were like, what do we do? And right. yeah, so we had a really short a time period, more or less, to figure this out. Exactly. And it's, I feel, I live in a college town myself, um, or at least when we moved to Montana, we moved to um, a town that had a pretty big college in it. And finding a rental in the state of Montana to begin with is, a fucking nightmare and then on top of that with changing school schedules and everything like that and just finding something that's worth your while is difficult and then to have it to do it while you're also in classes while you're also you know dealing with other personal things that I can't imagine I'm sorry that you had to go through that but I, it's just sounded like a very stressful time in your life which makes me wonder if maybe what happened next targeted you guys oh 100 percent. you know everything i learned over the course of surviving this and then mm-hmm. my <laughs> abilities and growing up with this stuff mm-hmm. but then learning more because i became obsessed with understanding like why me um right what i endured the year before the stress of moving the circumstances around finding this house which were bizarre um to say the least i mean straight out of any horror movie you've seen straight up so creepy um (laughs) whatever was there you know demonologist michael salerno you know really said it best this is how he explains it when it comes to the darker forces they all communicate you know they all interact and communicate so if you've gone through something or experienced something it's kind of like he refers to them as like the mob they oh, work wow. under yeah they work undercover they they don't want people talking about them but they communicate constantly they have spies mm-hmm. on every corner right they they know what's going on right. so if there's a darker entity somewhere and you come into a situation and you left the situation i was in according to him whatever is there is already getting memos like this happened and this happened and she went through this and this is what's going on and mm-hmm. whatever's there is kind of like awesome this is game on if you want to believe that route and even if it is just a paranormal type situation and it wasn't demonic let's say um i think that when you're wounded and you move into a space like this and you're kind of tapped in like i am whatever is mm-hmm. there is just like Ooh, I've been waiting for someone like this. You know, it's right. just like, they can yes. see me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is going to be 
a great year with these people. So I think whatever was there, either direction, whatever you want to, you know, whatever your personal conclusions are. Um, yeah, I think what I went through, what I was going through, moving into this space, the energy that we were all putting off and everything we had all been through as, as, as a group of friends, but me personally as well, I think we were just primed for something like this to just react the way that it did. Right. And it, it probably almost draw you, drew you to the house. Because um, they say that they can they can do that. Like when you go into a place, if it's haunted, and you're open to stuff like that, it'll call to you almost. Which, at least in my opinion, makes sense for how you described the house and how it came to be. Which leads me to my next question. Can you take us to the moment when you first saw the listing? Because the way you described it to me sounded like... A red flag, at least the way you described it on your show. Yeah, and for your listeners, when you go listen to my podcast, we could almost title this show How to Survive a Demonic Haunting. Seriously. And or the uh, guide to how to avoid living in a haunted house. I could probably Mm -hmm. make that as a personal guide for people how (laughs) to avoid this situation. But do keep in mind, I was young. We had had the duplex we rented the year prior, but always before that, I lived in dorms and then I lived at home with my folks. I didn't have a lot of rental experience, especially like renting a house house because the duplex we lived in before was all college students a whole street of college students so Mm -hmm. the area was just known for like it wasn't like a normal rental this was a house in a suburban neighborhood but we get the input from our from various people talk to this realtor we go and meet with this lady i want to say we had to be there like at least a half an hour maybe even 45 minutes we were there for a while Mm -hmm. and this lady is like talking to us so it's me my uh myself Rebecca and Amber were in this meeting in a real office in Kent, Ohio, like a realtor's office. And we're talking with this woman. She's sitting at her desk. We explain the situation. We explain what we're looking for. And she's like going through listings that she has. And she's like, what about this one? We're like, that's four bedrooms. She's like, don't you have another friend or something? We're like, no, we don't. Like (laughs) everybody we know is already living somewhere. Like, hence why we need to do this. And then she's like, here's a two bedroom. And like, you guys could always share. It's a big room. We're like, you're not hearing us. Like, yeah. do you know of a three bedroom house? And she said, absolutely not. She said, listen, this is a college town. Nobody rents a three bedroom house. They don't exist. They do not exist. These are her words. Right. They don't exist. She goes, look, I understand the position you're in, but you guys are going to have to think about splitting up because they don't exist. And we're like, okay, well, thank you so much for your time. We get up to leave, like we get Mm -hmm. up to go, and this lady goes, hang on one second. There is one house. And she turns around and she had like, you know, the typical like metal filing cabinets behind her. She opens this drawer, pulls open the thing, pulls out a manila like folder, (laughs) and like just sets it down on the desk. She's got that thing like locked down too. Yes, it's like "Mm, locked down. It's like, that's yeah. terrifying right <laughs> like like literally like fbi file style or like true right. crime like we've got a case here for you like she like puts it down and my roommate uh, my friend rebecca i remember she got really mad she i think i put it in the podcast that she talks her piece about it but she was like we've been here for so long like yeah what are you doing this is the first thing you should have showed us she was like this is so like Rebecca kept it together but she was a little snippy but you could tell she was kind of like why have we been here the whole time and you have something and And I would have been the same way I think that I probably would have been especially just given the circumstances you can't split up for for obvious reasons for safety reasons and you can't like I mean, I wouldn't want to share a room when I was, like, 21 years old. Like, 
you know, you're a full-fledged adult at that point, so I don't know. I, I think that I probably would have been a little snarky as well. I can't blame her for that. Yeah, so, so we're like, say what? But, like, I, <laughs> you know, despite being, like, a grown-up witchy goth, uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> so, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of like the one that's kind of like, oh, hey, guys, look at this. A problem, you know, an answer to our, our prayers here. Look at this. We got something. So I remember I picked right. it up, and I was kind of like, cool, all right, let's take a look at this. And I just remember her saying, you know, because we were like, well, why didn't you show us this first? And she goes, well, the landlords are kind of odd. They're very, <laughs> very picky about who they rent to. And we were like, oh, okay. So is anybody living there now? She's like, no. But, you know, I think if I talk to them for you guys, that maybe they would consider letting you rent. And we mm -hmm. were like, well, we'll call them right now. And I remember too, like I'm, I'm pulling all these memories back. She was like, no, 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 I won't call them while you're here. I'm going to talk to them separately and then I'll get back to you guys. And Suspicious. I yeah. And I remember yeah. us leaving and we had like a copy of what the house looked like. And we were looking at the photos and we were like, wow, this could really work. Like we were so like, please let this work. Right. Um, but that should have been a red flag right from the jump. I mean, 40 minutes with somebody and they're telling you there's nothing. And then right when you're going to leave, they're like, but wait, there is exactly what you're right. looking for. A three bedroom house, you know? Right. And I mean, to, to give credit where credit's due, she kind of, I, I would have gone into that being like, we're going to rent this if they let us. Because it's, number one, she explained why she was being so hesitant. Uh, whether or not she knew it was haunted is to is up for debate, but at least she kind of gave some explanation. It's like, these guys are kind of weird. It's not really a house that, like, they rent to students, but we can try. So, I mean, I can't, I can't blame you for being like, this is the answer to our prayers, and there's a slight caveat, but... I wouldn't have seen that as a red flag, I don't think. But in hindsight, it does seem a little bizarre. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and keeping in mind, like, you know, I was pretty normal looking at the time. But, like, you know, <laughs> I have a lot of tattoos and things, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, it's always a bit of a punky punk. Like, Reba and Amber look like the most studious normal humans ever. And I kind of did at the time a bit more than I had um, before because the guy I was with made me kind of really change my appearance. But, like, I remember mm. being like, well, I'm an art student. I'm kind of a you know, a weirdo. Maybe she's, yeah. you know, a little reserved about me. And then maybe she met my friends and we're like, oh, they look normal. So if they live with her, like, you know, like I remember being <laughs> they, like, you know, maybe she just thinks we're weird or I'm weird, but now we're cool. So, you know, so right. there wasn't any red flags. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe these guys are particular. Maybe they don't rent to students. I remember us talking about all this, like, well, they, maybe they probably don't rent to students and mm -hmm. they don't want people partying in the house. And like, you know, I get that. So it didn't right. seem like a huge red flag, but she certainly seemed really apprehensive about yeah. even suggesting we do this, but she was willing to. Right. And she had everything under lock and key. So, I mean, that in and of itself is just like, you could tell she probably didn't want to have anything to do with the house. But um, speaking of the house itself, can you take us to your first time visiting the house? Because obviously you're at the rentals or the realtor's office and she's telling you about it, giving you pictures of it. But when you were walking through the initial, like, do we want to live here? Would we sign a lease? Was there anything that stood out to you that maybe made you think, oh, that's kind of creepy. Maybe this is haunted. Um, there's one thing in particular that I feel like 
Yeah. You know, (laughs) there there was, there was a few looking back. There was a few things Mm -hmm. that really, when I look back now, I'm like, okay. And I don't think I mentioned this in the podcast. So I'll I'll say it here, but I don't think I do. But, um, the one guy I ended up speaking to Tom, he confirmed for me that his parents were told not only by the neighbors, but by the actual landlords themselves, they knew the house was haunted. Oh, wow. So okay. going on, and that's, that's a really important thing here, which I couldn't necessarily disclose in the podcast, and by the time I could have said it, it didn't quite make sense. But right. um, finding that out, I went, that makes some sense. And Tom said that when his parents approached the landlords and said, you know, my kids are saying these things are going on and whatever, their response is kind of like, so what do you want us to do? Like, right. what, what, what do you want us to do? Like, not that they, they, so they were aware that these things were being said about the home, but they almost had an attitude of, look, like, we'll fix something that's broken. But like, other than that, like, what do you want us to do? That's ridiculous. You know, like they're at exactly. they had an attitude about it, but they were aware so when we went to see the house, the first thing I was like looking back, like, okay, this is a little weird. <laughs> when we and I talk about it in the show, but like, imagine like it's three girls, two grown men, you know, probably I'd say they were in their late forties, maybe early fifties. Yeah. These guys, um, and normally when you visit and see a property, you might rent. Like maybe someone shows it to you, but they like stand by the door and they're like, if you have any questions, like, let me know. And yeah. they're like, you know, taking notes back then. Cause we didn't have cell phones like we do mm-hmm. now, or they would just be texting or like social media and being like, have at it. And, you know, ask questions. These guys would not let us take a step. <laughs> I'm not even joking in any direction without them keeping us together. Like, this house is so not weird. big. Yes, this house is not big. And we I remember coming in, and this is the very first thing that happened. We parked in front of the house, and the driveway is actually in the back of the house. And we came in. They had us come in through the back door. And they we walked up the front steps, and we walked around the back. And when we opened the screen door, almost like a tour guide, they were like, okay, everybody, come on in. Let's get in. <laughs> come on. And we got into what would be like the dining room. It's very small. And they made us all huddle together. Like, I remember, like, we couldn't step in the kitchen yet. Like, the kitchen's right, right there, by the way. Like, hello, it's open the concept. Yeah. Yes, it's, like, right there. It's a small house. And they were making us stand together. And they were, like, and one of us, like, I remember at one point was, like, oh, and, like, kind of went to go in the kitchen. They're, like, no, 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 we're, we're going to stay here for now. And let's talk about the dining room. And it's small. There's nothing to talk about. And we're, like. Did they have furniture? Like, did they have any furniture or anything in there? I know that they were planning to rent it but it didn't come like furbished no it didn't come okay there was nothing in it and if my memory serves me correct there may have been a couple of things in it like if somebody had moved out and left stuff or like was in transition but there it wasn't even furnished at the time like there wasn't a bunch of furniture in there um so we're like standing in these small spaces and I remember I got like scolded kind of because I was like oh there's an upstairs and I'm kind of like a gregarious like loud clowny Mm -hmm. person so I was like I'm gonna go and I like went to go and he was like get back here like we're not going up there yet and I was like why there's nothing for you to steal, break, or, like, get into. It's an empty yeah. house. Yeah, it That's was so, strange. so weird. And then what was extra weird is they were asking me, I don't know why, out of the three of us, so many personal questions. Like, 
endlessly. Like stuff about my childhood, my full name, who named me that name. Like weird, weird, creepy questions. None of your business. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, this is weird as hell. However, I want to live here. And my roommates are both kind of looking at me like just answer the damn questions. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, my middle name, my, my mother gave it to me. And this is why. And, you know, um, and just like asking these answering and they would keep talking. And that was the other thing looking back. Like there was never a quiet. They wouldn't let the house be quiet. And this is mm. a big one. Right. I think part of the reason they kept asking so many questions is they could tell when necessary I could be the ch- chatty Cassie of the group. And they're like, well, let's get this chick talking and let's keep noise going. So there was never a silent second. It wasn't like, let's all just go look at this. It was like, tell me this, mm-hmm. ask me this. And looking back, I think because they knew we can't even risk them standing here in silence because mm-hmm. who knows what we'll hear. <laughs> Right. Let's keep noise going, you know. And so that's another red flag. Like no silence, not allowed anywhere by ourselves, asking me all these really weird personal questions. And then the big Mm -hmm. one, the basement. We found that there is a basement door in one of the bedrooms. Luckily, Amber's a champ. I was like, I don't give a shit. I'll sleep in that room. And I was like, I wouldn't do that. No, I would not. (laughs) No. And this is not like a normal basement, by the way. This is a scary old basement and I remember we found the basement door and went whoa a basement there's a basement in this house and they were like yeah 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 let's keep going and we were like no no we want to see it and I remember there being not an argument but like we started to go down we kind of got down there and then they made us come back up mm-hmm. like we didn't get to spend a lot of time down there like we were trying to look around and they're like okay come on let's go let's go um and when it ended up being in the basement obviously i think there was a reason why they didn't want us to go down there for a long time or look around um, right they were trying to move us through it quickly so there was a lot of little things like that that like looking back i think were red flags that yeah this place was freaking haunted um or mm-hmm. something was going on here but at the time it was just let's get in this house we need it so whatever we'll like deal with it it's the fact that it almost seemed like, like you said, they didn't want there to be any silence. They wanted you to stay in certain areas because those are not necessarily the least active, but if you guys are all in one place, maybe there is a lower chance that you'll see something lurking in the corners. And if you do, like, there is some flaw to that logic, but in in the sense of, like, if all of you guys see it, like, that would be an issue, but... Yeah, but I um, think like I think they knew well enough, like keep them together, keep the conversation going, mm-hmm. keep it moving. And we weren't in there. Here's the other thing. We weren't in there for very long. Like, right. It was like a tour, like a tour guide. Like, come on, everyone get together. Let's go. Let's go. Like, mm-hmm. keep talking, keep moving, keep talking, keep moving. Like, and it was just weird because it was just like, can't we look around the house? Like, I would remember like we all finally got to go upstairs, which where my room would have been. They made us all go up the stairs at the same time. <laughs> These are tight, weird old stairs. This is right. not easy to navigate with a group of people. And they like made us all like in a row, boop, 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 go up. <laughs> and we got upstairs. I was like, oh, this could be my room. And they were like, great, great, great. And I was like trying to imagine it. And they were like, let's get out of here. Let's go. So it was like Ugh. just in and out of the house as quick as they could get us to go, but while keeping us together and while keeping as much noise going as possible. So all to me, red flags, you know? Right. Yeah. And and of course, when you're young and you don't have a lot of renting experience, those can just be like, maybe they're really sh- weird about just college students versus 
no, this house is haunted as hell, and <laughs> we need to get them in and out of here or else we may lose this sale, essentially. Um, so a couple weeks pass, you guys move in, and that's when the dreams, or I should say, I guess, your nightmare kind of starts. Without giving too much away, can you give us a little bit more detail about those dreams like were you an active dreamer before this or did you have any like I guess sleep paralysis experiences prior to this or is this a whole new ball game you know I had this one thing which is really hard to explain but it wasn't quite Mm -hmm. sleep paralysis it happened once in a while what I will say the weird form of this long story did happen a bit after I moved out of this house for a while and then it just stopped just stopped but prior to living in this house did i have sleep paralysis no did i have reoccurring dreams hell no like i had one once in a while um which was like a cool reoccurring dream i would have but nothing like this and before so before moving in this house and then after moving out into this house i never experienced anything like this in my life and it started on the first night it wasn't even like you know you watch a good haunting horror movie and things kind of like lead up to this moment Mm -hmm. this was in the house night one boom here we go and the nightmare was i think the most traumatizing thing was and people are just like really i'm like yes really this is a real Mm -hmm. thing this happened to me this is so insane i know i can't even believe (laughs) i i survived this just like the sleep deprivation alone but um imagine you have a nightmare and Mm -hmm. you wake up from the nightmare and you go oh god i'm okay You go back to sleep and the nightmare restarts from the beginning. I've had that and it's fucking terrifying. I've had it one time and it's And imagine it on a loop over Mm -hmm. like if I woke up three, four times a night, it just started again. It started again. It started again. And it went on for a year. I only had one dream. Now, mind you, I was a very active dreamer my whole life. I can remember my dreams. It's a huge Mm -hmm. thing for me. I remember my dreams a lot. I, you know, I have really vivid dreams, but never have I ever only had one dream. And that was for a year. Only one dream on a loop for a year. It was insane. Right. I just, again, I'm not a huge... I don't dream a lot, and then when I do, it's like very fleeting. But they say when you're when you're more sensitive, you you have a lot of dreams, mm-hmm. um, but they're not usually like the same dream over and over again. And the fact that it would like start and stop and start and stop, almost as if you're pausing a film, is absolutely just like strange to me. Just because that's not the anatomy of normal sleep patterns or dreams or anything like that. And Um, and also, and with that for you really quick, because I don't talk about this in the podcast, it was really hard for me because the detail of this dream was so um, accurate and specific and real. mm -hmm. But every day I had to walk by where the dream took place. I had to look in the hallway and go in the hallway to go to the bathroom. I had to sit on that couch. So during the day, like there would be times where like I would literally like the TV was right in front of me. And the hallway from where this dream began was right there. And even during the daytime, sometimes I would like cover it with my hand to watch TV. Cause I was like, I need a wow. mental break from even just looking at this mm-hmm. area. Cause I look at this area 
every night on a loop with this horrible thing happening yeah. and sometimes I would almost just be sitting there like you would block out the sun like I would just be like I don't even want to look at it or I'd like cover my eye to like mm-hmm. just not see the area from which it came because I was just like I need a mental break not even just I was worried I might see it it was also I needed a mental break from just looking at that space that, I mean it's also like I mean it's not a huge house so I can imagine at least in part, 90% of the time it's in your peripheral vision, regardless of where you are, which is mm-hmm. like, maybe not in the bathroom with the door closed, but the bathroom in and of itself is also like not a fun place to be. So there's like no escape to it. And the other thing that kind of shocks me is you weren't the only one who was having this dream per se. Yeah. So my, eventually we get to a place where my friend Lane ends up moving in and that's a whole story in itself, which we right. go through in the podcast. <laughs> but what's really messed up is that one day she was like, I need to talk to you. And this is my best friend since I was like 15. I mean, we are the kind of friends that finish each other's sentences. I mean, mm-hmm. best friends. I mean, really more like family than friends for sure. Right. And um, she's like, dude, I got to talk to you because I'm like having this dream. And I'll never forget when she's like, I got to talk to you. I'm having a dream. I My stomach was like. Oh, but I was yeah. like, okay, like hear her out. Like maybe it's just some random shit. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. maybe she, you know, I I don't know. And then she's like, we sit down on the couch, and she starts telling the dream, and she explains to me first and foremost that she's having a repetitive dream. And when she said that, I was like, oh god, no. And she's like, it's not every night, but like it's a couple times a week, and it's the same situation on repeat. And it involved the same person that I was seeing to Mm -hmm. such great detail. And, you know, the biggest thing is um, with the faces and them coming off and peeling and coming off. And when she started describing these details to me, (laughs) I'm looking at her thinking I hadn't told anyone about my nightmare because honestly, it was first off, it was so scary. I just didn't want to talk about it. Like, I just didn't even want to tell anybody about it because I was like, this is so scary. Like, I don't even want to discuss it. Um, because I would sit around at school and be like, dude, you had the same dream like five times in a row last night and mm-hmm. like every night for seven days, like what is happening to you? And, um, so I didn't want to talk about it, but also I didn't want to talk about it cause it makes you sound like a lunatic. You sound crazy, mm-hmm. but to have someone else sit down and basically tell you they're having a repetitive dream in this house, they're seeing the same person you're seeing different storyline, right. but so much in common that you're like okay and I finally opened up and told her what I was seeing and I remember we ended up crying because we were like there's something going on here yeah. this is really well bad. how else how else do you react to that especially when because like you said there were some differences in terms of like the story of the dream for lack of a better word but the the entity that you see as well as somewhat what it was doing again without giving too much away go listen to the show if you want <laughs> the gory details but <laughs> Because I'm assuming at some point you're like, okay, am I going crazy? And then to have your best friend who knows you better than anybody else at that time say, this is what I'm experiencing. And then have you both come to the realization of, oh God, there's something in this house and it's not just me and I'm not going crazy. The only reaction is to cry. (laughs) Like that's the only thing that I wouldn't be able to handle it any other way. I'd probably move out, but... Yeah. And, yeah, and with that too, like the other thing, because people always ask me, oh, did you try sleeping in another place in the house or sleeping somewhere else or why didn't you leave? One quick thing to pull that full circle is 
I did try sleeping other places and I still had the nightmare while living in the house. So I stayed at my sister's condo, had the nightmare. I stayed at Adam's apartment. Anytime we stayed at his apartment, I had the nightmare. Mm Mm-hmm. And here's what's weird. I've never really gone into this, and I don't talk about it on my podcast, and I don't think I've gone into great detail in other podcasts. In the times that I slept other places and I still had the dream on repeat, it, it, we'll call the entity Mm -hmm. it, was more angry in those nights, in those nightmares, than even you can imagine. Like, it was almost like you think you're going to leave and not, I'm not going to be with you. You're not going to be able to follow you. Yeah, and it was almost Ugh. more aggressive and more angry and scarier. Like, it, I don't know how to say that it got scarier, but the nights I had the dream away from the house, it was as if it was almost more powerful. Like, it was showing off mm-hmm. even more. And so, to the answer that, when people were like, oh, like, why didn't you just leave? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them was I thought it was going to come with me. Right. And then I started to be like, you know what? Like, I didn't want to stay at my sister's, my older sister's condo. My um, younger sister, she was starting college, and I didn't want to stay at her a dorm because I was like, I'm not going to bring this into anyone else's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm still having the freaking nightmare, and it's getting scarier when I'm away, if that's possible. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to deal with this. So it eventually, the only place I would sleep other than my home was Adam's, Adam's apartment, which I still had the nightmare. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And he obviously with the amount of time he was at y'all's place as well he didn't he had his own experiences there so it's like he's already kind of in this with you unfortunately um which i mean good on him for powering through that and i mean any good soon-to-be husband would but (laughs) it's just it's mind-boggling to me that it could target like multiple different people and all of you saw it yeah right other Mm -hmm. than i guess it was amber who moved out so the first person to move out was rebecca oh rebecca okay and rebecca you know what people often don't realize especially because you know we sound so cordial on the podcast we didn't speak for like a decade you you mentioned that um or maybe she mentioned it at some point that like i think it was when she was speaking about how she would get so angry with whoever who she thought was you going up and down the stairs incredibly loud and and you and Adam like fighting and wrestling on the stairs which is a weird way of interpreting that but she mentioned she's like why would I think that you did that but also we didn't speak for god knows how long so I could never ask and you guys seem like you'd picked up right where you left off so that was surprising yeah and I didn't know that she would talk to me for the show really I mean we went Mm -hmm. on another we were on a tv show about the house and that was the first time when we first met up, that would be a decade since we like lived in the house basically. And she was mm-hmm. like, she's like, I didn't even know the house was haunted until you asked me to come on the show. And I was like, okay. And we all saw each other for the first time. And I didn't even know what happened to her. It didn't happen to her. And then I heard some of what happened to her on the show. Cause we didn't really talk about it. Like we saw each other briefly for like right. a night because we were doing this TV show and that was it. And then when I interviewed her for the podcast and we really got to talk about it, like she was openly like, looking back she's like clearly because there were times where she could see feet under the door she could hear people all these things and she'd fling open the door and not only would nobody not be there she would be home alone like right but in her mind whatever was in the house was affecting her so heavily that she actually somehow still believed it was me like it makes no sense like she said looking back clearly there was something in that house doing all this because 
looking at it from her perspective now she's like that makes zero sense how could it be you if you're not even there no one's home at all like but in my mind it made her more angry like she's like dude I would get so much more angry because I'd be like how is Lindsay pulling this off and why is she doing this to me and um she said it sounded like me I mean everything was like it was mimicking me to her which is which, terrifying yeah like so she's yeah. dealing with a ten- essentially like a doppelganger type thing mm-hmm. happening to her which none of the rest of us were experiencing and with the running on the stairs you know here's the craziest thing Amber never heard it I I never heard it like I never heard it either and um this Just house. for clarity's sake, where you might be about to answer this, but were all of your I know that yours was upstairs, but were all of your bedrooms kind of in one corner of the house? So that's kind of how I pictured it. Yeah, but. yeah. So one room was like at the bottom of the stairs, and my bedroom was directly above it, and mm-hmm. the other bedroom at the basement door was on the back side of those stairs. So they were like the original house was very small and slender, and then they added on what would be the dining room and the kitchen and, and that part. Mm. So the original house was very tiny. And so Rebecca's bedroom was at the bottom of the stairs. Amber's bedroom was literally under those stairs in part because the basement, it went like the, my stairs went down and then the basement Whoa. stairs went down. So we were all on one side of the house, very tight and small. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like Rebecca would hear this running. And she was just like, it is so loud. And there was times she heard it again. I wasn't even home, you know, or she Mm -hmm. would think it was me and Adam because it was so loud and we wouldn't even be there. And then she and Amber would be home. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, Rebecca would bring it up. And Amber's like, I I don't hear a thing. Like, I have zero clue what you're talking about. Right. Um, But Rebecca was like, you don't understand. It's so loud and like so disrespectful. And I'd be like, I understand that, but I'm not there. So how am I I'm not home? you? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, the times that I did use the bathroom, and this is one of the things I remember pointing out to her, the times I would go downstairs, she never heard me. She never mm. opened the door. She didn't say anything. Because I would, like, tiptoe to, like, use stuff. Because I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to be loud. And she keeps talking about this stair stuff. And I would go back up in my room or something and be up there for a while. And she would say she could hear it. And I'd be like, I haven't been on the stairs and I can't hear it. And neither can Amber. Like, we have no mm-hmm. idea what you're talking about, you know. And it was loud enough to shake, you know, stuff in her room. Like, it, the the That's... sound of it was so intense. It would literally mm-hmm. move stuff in her bedroom. It would shake things. And it's because the way that I almost interpreted it, obviously, I don't think that's the case now thinking back but it almost sounded like it was because obviously it's chased you up those stairs as well yes so could it be that it's if it's mimicking you that it's mimicking that instance being like this is what I'm doing to your friend but also I'm gonna try to make you or make make you target her essentially not that that's she had any ill intentions for you and obviously this thing was affecting each of you independently but it almost seemed like that was just another way for it to get at both of you being like this is how i'm tormenting your friend and i'm gonna do the same thing to you in a different way yeah and i think it was basically like for like foreshadowing like Mm -hmm. Because I'm hearing about this running on the stairs thinking, I have no clue what she's talking about. And then obviously I ended up getting chased on these stairs by it with regularity. Mind you, the times it did that, she never heard a thing. Let's also put that out. I don't talk about that in the podcast. The times that I was chased and tackled, um, neither Rebecca or Elaine ever heard it. Neither one of them opened their doors. Nobody checked. Nobody heard that. So they're hearing 
the sound of what was going to be coming on to me, what Mm -hmm. was going to happen, it's so loud, it's shaking their room. When it did happen to me, not a single door opened. Nobody heard it. Amber did. Nobody heard those instances. When you need it. When when you need someone to come out. Mm -hmm. When I needed someone to swing open the door and be like, what are you doing? Like, and would have been like seeing me and seeing the terror on my face. Nobody heard a thing. Nobody seeing me being dragged thing. around. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's insane. That is nuts. Yeah. I guess I don't know why I was thinking that that happened first, but I've, well, a, it a does sound like foreshadowing. Happened. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this stuff happens. You know, when you're telling it as a long format story, I'm mm-hmm. trickling it out to you. But I mean, it, it happened all at once. Like again, a horror movie and a haunted house movie, which I thought this is how it would probably play out in real life if it was this bad, is like a gradual ascension to like the most mm-hmm. terrifying shit. It was like immediate. Like these things started quickly, and it was like whatever was there was really smart and was having a blast and was like, "What can I do next to these people? And how can I like mess That's with terrifying. them?" Yeah, That's I, terrifying. I, yeah, and like one of the things that happened, I don't talk about it in the podcast, but um. So the stairs were incredibly creepy. They just really gave you a sickly, weird vibe. I hated mm-hmm. being on them. Almost like a vertigo-y, just you almost felt like a fun house. Like, it Ooh. just didn't feel right. You know, like the space of it just felt like like dizzy. it was off. Yeah, dizzy yeah. and weird. And, and it was a closed-off staircase. So it wasn't the kind of stairs that were like, you come down and there's a banister and you can see through. The whole thing was closed off like a tube. Mm. And um, so I was like, you know what? Like, it really bothers me. It freaks me out. And this is a great example of what the entity did in the house. And again, so much happened in the house. I could never fit it all in. Um, but we'll, we'll give this one for your <laughs> listeners is a great example of what it was capable of and what it was doing and how it's how it operated. So Rebecca's at the bottom of the stairs. She hates the noise. She hates all the noise in the house and all the things that are constantly happening, mm-hmm. which we can't hear. We are not hearing any of this. So I decide, you know what? The stairwell really freaks me out. I have all this artwork. I had so much artwork. It was insane because I was an art student for, you know, four years. So right. I'm going to fill the whole thing with a bunch of canvases and art and just try to make it brighter and, like, give it mm-hmm. something. So I would hang up art and I would come home from school and Rebecca would have them kind of, like, stacked against the wall. And I had, like, three or four things in that hallway. Mm-hmm. And she would be like, they keep falling down the stairs and blocking my door and I'm like I'm so sorry I don't understand how that's happening like I'm really putting them on there securely I'll hang them back Mm -hmm. up and this would keep happening and I would come home sometimes and find them and what was weird they weren't even like haphazardly like falling on the floor they were stacked against her door so that means they all somehow fell down the stairs and were pushed against her door so that if she opened her door these huge canvases are now blocking her door and so I would come home and find it sometimes and be like what the heck so finally Adam was like you don't know what you're doing I'm gonna help you Rebecca's so mad (laughs) you want these things up I'm I'm your I'm your guy I'm gonna get them up and so he (laughs) took I I can't even exaggerate this however many tacks it would take like a hundred of them to line the entire canvas giant wooden canvas with all Mm -hmm. these tacks he's like I don't even care if we ruin the woodwork screw these weird landlords like I'm putting it up (laughs) so he did that and then he used tape like it looked ridiculous but he was like there is no way this is coming down and we're fine now and I come home to Rebecca who is livid and she goes oh my god and there they were all at the bottom of the stairs again and this time with hundreds of tacks 
all over the stairs and floor oh, shit. everywhere as if something took them out one by one there weren't even any left in the wall like there weren't even any left in the wall like the That's thing insane. sprayed them everywhere and was like haha and like she rebecca was so livid and then i had to come home and clean up like all these tacks so then we mm-hmm. had to not put stuff in the stairwell anymore we're like that's not gonna work obviously. right i mean it's like hey if this brings you joy i'm gonna take it away as and soon it, as possible and if it can make somebody insanely angry even better like even better mm-hmm. yeah can i can i ask did you guys ever forgive me if i'm misremembering this did you ever offer to switch rooms with her just to no. see if that would help the noise no like i never did and and also because we never talked <laughs> So oh, she went true. In, yeah, she went in the room and she never came out. And this is before we have cell phones like we do now. It's not like I could text her and be like, dude, what's going on with you? Like, we had no real communication. We still mm-hmm. had landlines that were, like, heavily used back then. Right. You know, like, I think Amber had a cell phone. Um, we and it was really... those, like, giant brick phones. It was like, like yeah, it was like, a, you know, yeah. I didn't even have a cell phone at the time. So it's like I couldn't even, like, message that way. But Rebecca didn't want to come out. The only time she came out was to yell and be like, you're making noise. Like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Like, shut up. Like, And then she would just slam her door and wouldn't come out. So we never even got to have conversations with her or anything. Right. Like, So even if it could have been, like, something, an idea broached, like, hey, why don't we switch rooms and, like, let me listen to hear it. You know, like, even like that. Like, I'll sleep in your mm-hmm. room for a night. You take my room and I'll see if I hear what you're hearing. It never would have come up because we never spoke. Like, we never had a conversation mm-hmm. the whole time she was there. Yeah. And you said it on your show, too, that it was almost... You weren't... You guys weren't entirely sure if she was in the room or at home half of the time. So, yeah. I guess, how can you be like, let's find a reasonable solution if you're not even sure if she's there and if you knock on the door, she doesn't answer, I'm assuming. So... Yeah, sometimes yeah, she would, you would knock and be like, hey, like, can I talk to you? And she'd be like, no. Or she'd be like, wow. what do you want? And she wouldn't even open the door. Like, she would talk through the door. And I would be like, we used to be best friends. We've lived together for, at that point, we, me and her had lived together already two years as roommates. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't even open the door sometimes. Or if she did, she'd open it and be like, what do you want? And then she'd be like, I'm busy and slam her door. And I'd be like... I just wanted to like see if you're okay you know like yeah so there was no communication it was really hard and like she says looking back she is fully admits something in the house was mentally doing that to Mm -hmm. her and it was not her whatsoever she goes I look back and none of that makes any sense to me and I have no answer for you other than whatever was there like did this to me right and it it almost sounds like the stages of demonic possession she was in the oppressive stage Mm -hmm. where it was like getting in her head so at least that's I'm sure that's how you guys interpreted it. I know you had a demonologist and stuff on the show as well. But in the sense, when I was listening to it from, like, the jump, I'm like, that sounds like demonic possession 101. Uh, Yeah, and and what's interesting with that is, so, like, in the parallels of this, for your listeners to hear, two roommates go in this room because Rebecca moves out, and both of them end up becoming locked in this room. Mm -hmm. Now, in Rebecca's case, it was all her. Like, her mind... In Lane's case, it was her boyfriend that wouldn't let her leave the room. Like, right. he, he physically started to actually barricade her in the room, I find out, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we knew something was going on there with that situation. So it's interesting. It was like the entity in Rebecca's case was like, oh, I'll mess with her mind and mess with her that way and keep her in this room and really mess with her. And then in this other case, ooh, I have two people in this room and one of them I can really manipulate. And here's what's really messed up. I didn't put it in the podcast only because 
you know, I, I think it would have made for a great podcasting, but I just felt like at the <laughs> time it wasn't the right time. I talk about it off show for sure. But um, yeah, during the making of the podcast, Lane called me freaking out, crying. And she goes, dude, her boyfriend who lived in the house, she said whatever was in the house, he was a bad dude, but not that bad. Right. When they moved in, she was like, do you, something changed him forever. Like she knew, like even when they left the house, something got into him forever. Mm-hmm. She called me while making the podcast. He had murdered somebody. Um, Holy cow. While I was oh making God. the podcast, he is in jail for life for murder. He like full and oh brutally murdered someone. And she called me freaking out. She was like just glancing on TV and there's his face for murder. And seeing him, she was just like freaking out and she said like all these memories from the house came back everything he did to her came back I mean he really did horrible things to her Mm -hmm. and um but she knew she was like it was him but something in that house made him worse and it left with him she goes for sure it left with him for sure it sounds like it flipped a switch in Mm -hmm. him to make him just that that little bit more um I'm trying to find the right word for it like just a touch more aggressive, I mm-hmm. guess, would be the best terminology for that. That is terrifying. I, I mean, and of course she's looking at it, too, from the perspective of, could that have been me? 100%. If it, you know, got to him sooner or triggered this change in him sooner, which almost creates survival's guilt. Please let her know that I'm sorry that happened. That's terrifying. Um, yeah, I mean, and she openly talked about there was a couple times he almost killed her in the house, in the room. Right. Like, very close to, like, blacking her out, like, almost killing her. And so, like, to be making the podcast and get that call and being like, oh, yeah, so the guy who lived there went on to be a murderer. Um, and my roommate and best friend always said that the house pushed him over the edge. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this house is, like, that dangerous, for real. And it's, like you said in the beginning, you never think that stuff like this can cause you physical harm or cause someone physical harm until it does. And that's why you have to be so careful when you're researching the paranormal, um, especially when it comes to demonology. You just, there are some doors that you just cannot close once they've been open. Um, And I think your story shows that even after the case. That is insane. Let me collect yeah. myself for a second. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, imagine thing. making it, making the podcast, and your friends like calls you up crying as you're making it, and is like, "He murdered. It's happened." Yeah, and I'm like, "Okay, there you go." All right, I just I can't even wrap my head around that. Let's move on to theories, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Theories. So you you did obviously a lot of research after living there, starting the podcast. Um, and you came up with a couple of different theories that may have created this entity or what mm-hmm. it was. Um, I guess, can you tell us more about the night hag? For yeah, yeah, Ooh, my even, listeners, even hearing someone say those. Sorry, words. no, it's all right. I just got the goosebumps even hearing it. Oof. So yeah, so um, again, I never had sleep paralysis before. And I've never had it like this after. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, minus one thing, you know, which you hear about in that the 13th episode where she mm-hmm. came to kind of give me the old threat not to make the show. But, um, <laughs> yeah, which is so crazy. But, um, you know, I, I what was weird about this whole entity and this what it was, the first off, like, at the time, rewinding back, 
this isn't far off from the time the movie The Ring came out. Right. And at first, when I started seeing this entity, I was like, at the time while living in the house, I was like, it's choosing a form. Like in the movie Ghostbusters, where like the, the lady says, like, choose your destructor. <laughs> and they like choose the State Puff Marshmallow Man and, you know, in Raid's mind or whatever, he picks it. Like, I thought whatever was in the house was like, oh, that movie really scared her. So I'm going to present myself as like this thing. And mm-hmm. I know that seems crazy, but at the time, like, you know, I didn't have the research I had done now. So I was like, I think it picked that form to scare me. But um, what I realized as I did my research, so the night hag is something that, you know, it's existed for, 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 for as long as human beings have been scribing, mm-hmm. you know, their histories. And I worked a lot with, uh, talked a lot with uh, David Hufford. And he really explained, like, the, the thing is about seeing an entity like this is that it's seen across the world for, for thousands of years in cultures that have never met, in people that have never talked or communicated. Mm-hmm. We're talking, you know, two, ten, well, however many thousands of years ago, people are seeing the same being. Right. And, you know, people describe it multiple ways. And when you suffer sleep paralysis, if you have an interaction with a being, there's several versions to people tend to see, but this is one of them, the night hag. Mm-hmm. And what it looks like typically, it's a it's a female be- entity, long dark hair, you know, long fingers, a very witchy, creepy, scary type of thing. It's Samara. <laughs> yes, it's literally it's the literally girl, Samara. The, the part where they show her walking out of the well and she does the mm-hmm. big walk, like literally looks like that. So. Yeah. You know, and that's what I saw in the house, and that's what would happen again and again and again and again. And, and as you hear in the show, other people saw her like in the mm-hmm. actual flesh, and that's what she looked like or it looked like. And essentially, like it's it's a being that attacks us in our sleep. And Doctor Hufford went on to explain to me that it's clear that this is a real thing and not right. a neurological phenomenon, because how could somebody like over in Japan, you know? 5,000 years ago and then a person who's a First Nations person here in America mm-hmm. have seen the same entity. They gave it a right. different name but they described the same attack and described the same looking thing. That makes no sense. Right. It's like not possible and like he said if you really look at it scientifically when people are seeing these specific entities there is sleep paralysis and then sleep paralysis with this negative presence. Um, if you're seeing the same thing clearly it's an entity like clearly it's right. a something and demonologist michael salerno he he chimed in and said look as a demonologist they believe in sleep paralysis but they also believe in something called spiritual sleep paralysis i was gonna ask you about that yeah. and literally that's when an entity is attacking your soul because your body is basically like you know like in the movie avatar like you're in your machine like mm-hmm. resting and your soul is like kind of you know out and about out and about and something can actually attack your soul while your body's in like recharge mode Mm -hmm. so um and it's a common thing but yes this entity you can read about the night hag and you know dr hufford really explained a lot of the salem witch trials and what people were experiencing was sleep paralysis was a night hag was this sort of phenomenon and as i read about it i went oh god like this is clearly what I what was dealing saying. with in the house, what I was dealing mm-hmm. with, um, for sure, without question. Right. And, and the reason, too, that I wanted to bring this up, just to put it into perspective for my listeners, my husband experiences a lot of sleep paralysis, whether or not it's spiritual, I don't know, but he is very, like, attuned and in denial to that fact. 
and he mentions like we were listening to the podcast he and i drive to work together um and we're listening to the podcast on the way in he's like oh i've seen that before and he's like i didn't realize that was a thing that a ton of other people have seen and the fact that she's seeing it both in her waking and sleeping hours is concerning so again he's very skeptical to these sorts of things and the fact that he's like oh Lindsay's seen some shit like she's seen some shit (laughs) so especially that um but they also you spoke a lot about um it could possibly be like mold in the house just to give it a scientific perspective because my listeners know I like to look at things from a skeptical point of view as well as a spiritual point of view and I know that you're probably the same so Mm -hmm. do you mind kind of touching on that I know you spoke about it and episode two or three but yeah yeah so so a big part of my podcast as well it's a combination of my story other people's story you know talking with all kinds of specialists the world over um i love urban legends and folklore but the other main thing is i have a lot of people in my life despite all of my experiences and abilities that are huge friggin' skeptics and so when i decided to do this i thought you know i really have to pursue every option like mm-hmm. i think i know what happened but that doesn't mean it's real. Like, I know that I think it's real and I'm going to talk to everybody. And we're going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But maybe there really was something else. Like, maybe there really was something else doing this. Um, so I spoke with this really, really great um, psychologist. Um, and she specializes also besides like her practice, but a lot with mold toxicity mm-hmm. and mold toxicity can cause a number of behavioral changes in people like the things we were witnessing with both Rebecca and Lane in their rooms. Also, Amber's personality changes, my personality mm-hmm. changes, weight gain, alcohol abuse, depression, all these things like mold. If it gets in your system and you're in a mold environment with specific molds, it really can alter your brain function Um, and it can cause you to hallucinate and hear stuff. And I even came across an article where this guy explained that they believe to some degree, a lot of quote unquote haunted houses and hauntings are people living in old homes with mold who are literally Mm -hmm. hallucinating. Like you're tripping on mushrooms, except you're tripping on mold. Think of it that way. Like you're living in a weird house that looks all freaking weird anyways. And it's like really old and not updated. And instead of tripping on mushrooms and like being like, whoa, man, there's frogs and there's like stuff because you're in a creepy environment that already looks kind of weird. You're tripping, essentially, think of it that way, on mold Mm -hmm. and your brain's going to produce a haunted type scenario because you've been influenced by what you've seen on TV or read in a book or seen on a show. So when the mold's affecting you, you'll have auditory uh, hallucinations, you'll have visual hallucinations, Mm -hmm. but because you're in a creepy environment, you're going to project creepy things. Right. So you're going to have a bad trip, essentially. A bad trip on mold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is disgusting but which is so disgusting it's like i I guess because they say when you're not to bring this up a place of like drugs recreational drugs but for lack of better wording they say that if you are tripping in an area where it's like clean and organized and like cared for not that you guys didn't care for this house but who knows prior to this point and especially with it being old but if you are Tripping in an environment like that, you're more likely to have a positive trip versus mm-hmm. if you're going to be in a space that's dirty, hasn't been cleaned, has like filth and grime and pet hair and stuff like that all over the place. Like you're going to have a bad time because it is just you're going to be surrounded by filth. So your mind's going to be cluttered exactly. um, in an already not 
very cohesive state to begin with. So um, the other thing I wanted to ask going off of that, did you ever check to see about like low grade carbon monoxide poisoning? That one would be hard to look into, but I was curious. Yeah, no. So like I couldn't like a lot of stuff I couldn't go fact check now Mm -hmm. per se. Like if I had access to the house, man, I would test everything. I would look for like carbon monoxide, gas leaks, you know, um, magnetic fields. Like I think that certainly there's so many things that could have also been in the environment. You know, I know that certain types of paints and things can make people sick. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot in a house that could potentially cause additional issues. And, like, even thinking about the fact that, like, right legit under Rebecca's room was dirt. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. like, a foundation. Like, you could go in the basement to the back of the basement and see actual, like, earth dirt and look up and see her floor. That's... You know? So another just like gross but also it makes sense with that that the age of the house like yeah i mean it was a it was an old house and it makes sense and like you're in a college town like and if you're landlords you're not gonna like pay to like redo all this stuff you're just not and so like i always was like man there could be something else going on here she's living right again above soil and moisture Mm -hmm. um you know, we had this crazy incident when the basement flooded. I mm-hmm. 100% think the entity did it just to cause more issues in the house. Um, I was going to say, too, with going off of that, they can pull power from, like, flooding. Like, not flooding, but flowing water. Yeah. So it's like, did they get enough energy to, like, cause that to happen? Just 100%. To- <laughs> yeah. Here's what I can tell you about that story, because that's not in the show either. Rebecca had moved out, and we're in the house and we're hearing this sound now i already know it's full-blown haunted at this point and i am Mm -hmm. like what am i hearing like i'm am i have i crossed a line now that it's this loud in my head 24 7 and then amber got around and she's like what is that and adam came up he's like what are we hearing and we're like walking around the house like trying to figure it out and we open the basement door and it looked like the old school from the one with Robin Williams Jumanji movie where like oh yeah like the water is like pouring in there like the jungles change like there was so Mm -hmm. much water flowing out of the wall and there was so much water in the basement that we were like oh my god and so we literally (laughs) try to get a hold of the landlords and here's the weird part again these landlords are supposed to be incredibly picky they're like walking us through the house they won't leave us alone after we moved in Courtney, we could never get a hold of them. <laughs> they wanted nothing to do with that place. Nothing That's to do with so the place. That's so weird. Or us. You would think, if they're particular and picky people, that if your tenants are calling you, like, nonstop, mm-hmm. that you would be like, you know, what is going... Something's like, happening. Yeah. And they would not. And finally, we got a hold of them and said, look, your basement is filled with so much water, and there's so much water shooting into the basement. Like, it is, you can hear it. Like, I remember holding up the phone and being like, listen, you need to get over mm-hmm. here. If I remember correctly, they still never came. They just sent a worker person. So they didn't even want to come see it. This guy shows up. He goes down there and he's like, he basically said, like, did you take a saw to the wall or something? And we're like, what? And the basically the water that was the main line for the house that ran from the city's line mm-hmm. had been like chopped. Oh, shit. Like chop severed we're talking a huge metal pipe this wasn't like a leak that burst no this guy who came said i don't understand this makes no sense did you like saw off the pipes or something or like 
somehow something must have happened and the whole thing just like broke off and we were like well we don't we're not look at us we're not sawing off pipes dude like what and he's yeah. like, clear, he was like clearly he's like but i don't understand what's going on right and then the, and then the landlords were freaking out and they're like you guys are gonna have to pay for it blah blah and we're like this isn't our house like what are you talking about yeah and then it ended up being that where it cracked and like or broke or what it severed um, <laughs> fell off was actually on the side of the city so then the city came and fixed the whole thing like at no one's cost but okay. um but it caused us to call Rebecca because the weird thing that happened was all of a sudden we had no water in the house. And even though she moved out, this is before we heard the rush of water and understood what was happening. Mm-hmm. We suddenly had no water. And so we called like the water company and they're like, well, your bill is like through the roof. Like and the way they were describing it was as oh, if our bill no. hadn't been paid. And we had been sending Rebecca money to pay the bill until we moved it over to our names. And we had this huge fight with Rebecca. She was crying. She's like, I would never steal your money. We're like, well, what's going on? They're saying that all this money is like not in mm-hmm. all this water is not being paid for. We don't get it. And so, like, she was really upset. We had this huge fight over the telephone. It was really bad. And that was the only time we spoke after she left the house, of course, is, like, screaming Mm -hmm. and crying and people freaking out, only to find out that somehow this pipe broke. It made no sense. And, again, like, I know that whatever was in the house was, like, every time I get a chance, like, I'm going to do something to mess with you guys. It's, like, really causes a huge problem on all fronts, you know? And it's, I mean, that also goes on to give credence to the idea of mold i mean even after the fact i know that there's probably some sort of mitigation but the fact that it was flooded like that much it's like the beginning scenes of the titanic like it can't be it it did it was flooding that much to give you like to wade in there and the amount of water that was shooting out of this huge pipe Mm -hmm. was insane like it was crazy and it's not like they sent anybody over to clean it up so i look at it like and the person I spoke to, Judy, she you know, she said, the lady who specializes in the mold toxicity, she said, clearly whatever was going on in your house was paranormal, without question. She goes, mm-hmm. too, much, too much happened. But something like this entity would know that mold and things that could make you sicker and weaker mm-hmm. works to its advantage. Right. And like she said, clearly she believes that that's mold toxicity and other things were going on but also that this entity was fully aware of that and using it to its advantage right or maybe even making it happen yeah or even making it happen with its flooding it was like oh let's kick up the mold some more we need to get people extra kooky in this house like let's make them feel sicker and more tired and weaker because we all Mm -hmm. were like that like we became like bumps on a log yeah zombies almost Mm -hmm. and i mean it's not like you guys were like chilling in an unfinished basement that had dirt floors you know what i mean it's not like you guys were down there to do anything that could yeah potentially cause a leak not that you would even want to anyways like this is your house and you're gonna have to pay for the water and so even the idea that that someone was like oh like did you guys take a saw to it it's like why on earth would we even and we want never even to wanted to do go that <laughs> why would we want yeah. to do that first off and secondly we were so scared of that freaking basement man we we never went down there ever yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't even like basements to begin with. Finished basements because there's something to be said about um, theories, like I said, with water. That's always where the pipes are. Um, entities, especially negative ones, like to lurk and hide in dank, dark places, which is going to be your basement. Um, so I've never, I mean, I've never liked them. So I can't imagine that like you guys would just hang out down there or want to have anything to do with it. 
Mm-mm. And it seems like it's like, let's flood the one place that they never go so that it it ha- it's not like it's your bathroom where it's the only bathroom in the house so you're going to notice it right away. It's like weeks or like days at a time where it's flooding to the point where it's several feet down there. Yeah, Obviously. it was like days. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, that's... Ugh. Um, okay, so one of the things that I really liked about your show was the fact that you had a ton of different experts on. Um, I, like I said towards the beginning, I've been a paranormal researcher for, you know, coming up on nine years now, and they still taught me things that I had no idea about, like, spiritual... Yeah, like, the spiritual side of um, sleep paralysis. I always, like, had my own theories, but I wasn't sure if that was something that the church recognized um, or anything like that. So would you mind telling giving us like a little bit more background on your guests, like how you found them and how they kind of helped you investigate this haunting. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I knew, so the first thing I really did was interview all of my roommates because I needed to hear their stories in total to understand how I was going to write the scripts for this and what information I needed to understand better. So I basically interviewed all my roommates first, heard all their stories. And like, again, there is things that me and Lane never talked about because she didn't mm-hmm. want to talk about the house. Like when she left, she never wanted to speak about the house. So there was things I was hearing from her for the first time or her perspective. Rebecca, obviously, clearly, I never knew anything she experienced in that right. house. So I had to hear what everybody went through. And from there, I said, okay, I want some answers to some of these questions that they had. You know, like they mm-hmm. had questions or thoughts or just hearing their stories. I thought, like, I want to know more about that. Like, why were they experiencing that? So from there I just started like researching and reading and I started reading a lot about like demonology and I started really studying a lot about sleep paralysis and and as I did you know I would come across certain people's names or certain articles and then I would read about that individual and then I just started reaching out to people to see like would you be willing to talk with me Um, and I was really lucky because all the people I reached out to were like absolutely like nobody was Mm -hmm. like no and even like the the really well known um, Guy Leshner, the neurologist from from London, um, mm-hmm. he doesn't even believe in the paranormal. But he was like, "Well, what you experience is like a really profound case of sleep paralysis." And as a scientist, a neurologist, and somebody he wants special, to learn. he mm-hmm. wants to hear about it and learn about it, and also educate me on his opinion because he was like, "I don't believe in any of this, but I also can c- clue you in on some things that I think as a scientist could have contributed to what was going on." And I was like, "Great, I'm all ears." You know, like I I had no bias or judgment I didn't want to skew anybody in any direction I wanted their Mm -hmm. information so yeah I really went through and just kind of found people and you know a huge person became a huge help for me was Michael Salerno because a lot was happening to me while I was making the podcast as well of course so I would reach out to him and be like dude this happened today or this happened or what do you think of this or as as I started finding more things he was just always there to be like yeah here's my opinion like you know he was really easy to constantly just like reach out to mm-hmm. um so yeah so I just did a lot of research on specific areas and then like I might talk with somebody like I talked with um uh, Andrea who is a folklorist um and a professor and she recommended David Hufford she's like have you mm-hmm. heard of him? And I said, I saw his book and she's like, well, you know, he's a really profound person in the field. You need to speak with him. So sometimes other of the experts would refer me to other experts, even if they didn't know them, they were like, you really need to talk to them. And then right. that gave me a, a good, like, okay, I've seen this name a few times and now this person's recommending them. Like I should probably talk to them. That's awesome. I just, I, I feel like it gives a really good, almost like investigative 
journalism standpoint to the show because like you said a lot of them weren't not a lot but some of them were skeptical to the idea of the paranormal and then you have mediums you have demonologists you have you know scientists so you you have a very broad spectrum of guests and i think that it gives a lot of depth to your show because it's not just like I was haunted by the night hag, and and that's it, and that's my story. I think the reason why your story is so compelling and the show itself is so compelling is the fact that you get everybody's point of view, and it's not just your story. It's the house and what is there. Well, and that's the main thing is, like, it isn't just my haunting. I mean, mine was clearly the worst, but Tom's was it ruined Tom's life like mm-hmm. there are other people as your listeners will hear I'm not alone and and I realized right. as I learned that I felt like it's my responsibility like I felt like I had a huge duty to tell this story for everybody who's had to live through it and mm-hmm. to get them answers if I could like if I can right. get some one person one answer that answers one question about what they experienced in that house great and then also I was like and I also wanted to help other people because if they are in a situation I hope they've heard my podcast or hear my podcast like okay I think this is happening mm-hmm. to me I need help and like here's some people I could reach out to potentially yeah. and I have had people connect with people from my show for help and that's a really great thing to know that mm-hmm. I have you know the people I've worked with helping other people and you're helping people too because mm-hmm. I mean from my own experiences like it can be lonely to go through a haunting especially something that whether it's like demonic or not being something that's negative Mm -hmm. you want like it it can be so isolating especially if like you feel like you're the only one who's experiencing it at the time so it's good to know that like obviously if you're experiencing a haunting you're not alone and there there are resources and from what i can tell at least from your own experience these resources are pretty open to at least talking to people Absolutely. Um, And they're on my page. You can go to my website and reach out to them if you ever can. You know, it's messed up, though. I will say this. Trying (laughs) to get a hold of Michael Salerno, the demonologist. If you have something kooky going on, it's not that he... he, he, I've had to do in-betweens where... Mm the emails are just not happening on either end. Like people are sending and he's, and nobody's, you know, and they have to connect other ways. And he said, but with his background, that's really normal. If they're Mm -hmm. dealing with something darker, it's not a shocker. He won't get your message or that if he tries to message you, you're not seeing it and it's not showing up anywhere. Like he said, you know, when you're dealing with darker things, like they, you know, they work in an energy field. What is an email? It's energy, really. Like, mm-hmm. you know, through a digital device. Like, so sometimes with him, like, he's like, man, like, and I have to do go-betweens and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everybody on my my thing, they're very open to helping people. And I think being a part of the show, there's so many great opinions. You know, like Lloyd, um, Arabach, like, as a parapsychologist, they don't believe in demons, you know? Right. So, you know, if you, he, but he's another amazing resource with years of study and years in the field and like a great person who is also a great resource with a completely different perspective than someone like Michael. And yet there's a lot that they agree on. Like, so it's good to have lots of people from different backgrounds, especially when you're trying to, in my case, understand what actually happened and what's Mm -hmm. actually there, you know, especially too with, with the Catholic Church being the way that it is and how they have their their exorcisms set up, for lack of better phrasing, sometimes you don't have the ability to wait and, and get, like, the psychological testing and, you know, go to church and, and confession and all that stuff. Like, sometimes it's, obviously, as you know, 
it's a, I need help now. I need, yeah. like, I need out of this now. So it's good to know that there are resources there. And if you are experiencing that, I will have Lindsay's website, thechillingpodcast.com. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, just making sure. I just like spit (laughs) that out. Um, That'll be in our show notes. Uh, But as a final note, would you mind just reminding us all of the places that we can find you? And if you have anything else, I know you said that you had a season two about to get started. If you want to kind of tell them about that, that would be cool too. Yeah, yeah. So for season two, we're taking a slightly like a detour. It's more conversation similar to what we're having today. Mm -hmm. Some with, you know, again, when you're the person who has lived in the scariest house that anyone's ever heard of. Everyone, when they find out, has a story for you, you know, Um, whether it's friends or family members, you know, people always come to me to say this is happening or this happened or like whether it's funny or scary, like people come to you. Um, So this next season, it's going to be really cool because it's going to be a mix of my own family members because we have a lot of paranormal things that have happened. A lot of the conversations are funny. Some things are going to be really freaky. Some are hilarious. Um, And then, um, you know, listeners as well. I have, you know, special guests who are like, you know, famous artists. I have um, people from the paranormal community, you know, that you might have seen on TV. So it's going to just be a mix of different guests from different walks of life, all with their stories and just kind of hear other people's stories. It's much more conversational and easygoing. Um, But, you know, everybody who's got a story to tell, I feel like has a right to get it out there. And I love hearing and talking about these things. So it's going to be that route for season two. Um, And then, yeah, as to where to find me, if you're looking for cool content, man, um, and you love spooky stuff, find me on Instagram at The Chilling Podcast and at my website, www.thechillingpodcast.com. If you're looking to talk to any of my contributors, I have a whole page of contributors. uh, Or you can always message me through there, too, if you have any questions awesome and for my listeners if you guys don't follow Lindsay, she has a fantastic meme game your feed (laughs) cracks me up like that one the other day of big bird i (laughs) i died and then i shared it on my story and somebody else messaged me and they're like this is hysterical i'm like go listen to her show because it, it puts the whole thing into perspective and it's even funnier in kind of a weird way but anyways um yeah great Great show to follow. Great Instagram to follow. Um, and I just really appreciate you coming on the show today. I had a great time. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so great to talk with you. And I'm so glad we've connected. And, you know, so glad to be in the paranormal podcasting game with a fellow badass chick like you. So oh, well, cool. thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. And hopefully maybe next next season we can have you back on and discuss more. But um, I guess until next time, I won't take up much more of your evening. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a great night, Lindsay. All right. Bye. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes, in collaboration with Lindsay Brisbane of The Chilling Podcast. Make sure you check out The Chilling and keep an eye out for season two. You can find the links to the show in today's show notes section at hauntscast.com. If you enjoyed this style of episode and want to hear more paranormal-based conversations here in the future, then let me know by leaving a review. Reviews help us reach more listeners, but they also are a great way to tell me what kind of content you'd like to see more of. Oh, and it's completely free to do. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast or you can join our email list at hauntscast.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.